The Lord be with you. That usually gets people's attention. Um, the wonderful, gracious Amanda Probst has asked me to say, we still need some Sunday school teachers. We're a couple weeks away. Uh, third, fourth grade, fifth, sixth grade maybe, and kindergarten. Ah, there you go. So I know there are several of you with skills abounding, and some of you that have skills that are enough. So, I mean, it's not real hard. The, 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 the lessons are there. Um, yeah, so you can trade off and, you know, maybe someone take a month, someone take a month, and there's someone there to fill in your shoes. And it works well that way. I did it that way. Debbie did it that way. You've probably done it that way. It's all good. So, um, think about that. And... Uh, and uh, let Amanda know, and uh, we'll get you dialed in and get you what you need. Thank you. Okay, good morning, everyone. Good to see you today. Uh, good to be back with you. Um, although if you weren't around during the week, and most people aren't, you wouldn't even know I was gone. Um, we had a little uh, family vacation this last week. I left with our oldest son Sunday, went down to Branson, Missouri. My wife's family usually spends a week together during the summer, and so we had uh, ah, 20 people crammed into a three-bedroom condo, uh, so I need to catch up on my sleep because I was stuck in a little twin bed with all the teenagers and college kids in the basement because my wife had to come back home to work on, she had school meetings and stuff, so, uh, so it was kind of a crazy week. So if I look a little bloated, it's because I am. If my eyes are baggy, it's because they are. So. Uh, food and uh, Lutheran beverage and sleepless nights, but a great time. Uh, Branson was beautiful. Spent some days on the lake and uh, good to be back. Um, before we kind of get into Bible study, um, I, some of you have asked me about this upcoming conference, so I turn right around now and I will leave either tomorrow afternoon or Tuesday morning, depending on when I get some other work done that I need to get done. Uh, and I will head to Eagle, Nebraska for the ACELC conference some people don't know anything about the ACLC, and that's okay. Raise your hand if you've heard of the ACLC. Uh, just a few of you. So I don't know why they chose this name. Um, the, a lot of the pastors that formed this, it's not a denomination. It's an association of Lutheran Church Missouri Synod congregations uh, that was formed back in uh, 2010. It was actually uh, planned on being formed prior to Harrison's first election. So back when President Kishnick uh, was in office, um, there were a number of issues within the Synod, and, uh, and so the ACLC kind of developed out of that. Um, it's, it has been referred to as a political organization. It really is not. Uh, it's simply an organization that has attempted to identify errors or challenges within our Missouri Synod. And no church body is perfect, so if you've been in the Missouri Synod, you know that there are challenges and, and errors within it. Uh, some of those things have been addressed. Thanks be to God for that. Um, some of them still persist in various ways. You want to hear more about that. I don't know if you listened last week to Pastor Grady's uh, uh, little um, what, summary of the convention. He's got his hand up. He's chomping at the bit. Yes. Uh, for those of you that were here last Sunday, and we went through a uh, little synopsis, there was... Uh, a report that 30% of the LCMS, uh, the gentleman wrote it, 30% of the LCMS voted against the Sixth Commandment. No, that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> there was a resolution to affirm the Sixth Commandment. There was a second resolution to insert language from uh, the small catechism right. and from the first article of the creed. That was passed. When the vote came for the total approval of the amendment, which everybody liked, it was good, it was 898 to 34. So there were 34 people in the whole room that had their axles wrapped by something that they didn't like, I don't know what, but it wasn't 30%. So somebody saw that number and got conflagrated in their head. So yeah, so... Uh, by an overwhelming majority of delegates were like, yeah, we're still for the Sixth Commandment, which is, uh, which is good. You know, marriage, family, creation, order of creation. It, yeah, so we're solid. So. 
And we had some excellent elections for the uh, board out at Concordia University in Portland, Oregon, which is excellent. Um, so I think we commented a little bit on that. Uh, some few other good elections otherwise as well. So we'll, we'll kind of see. Uh, don't put your trust in elected leaders, officials, or bylaws. Place your trust in the Word of God uh, to make changes. Um, and, and also, always be prepared to apply the Word of God to situations as they come up. So the Word of God is, is lamp to our feet, light to our path. Uh, and so that's, that's all that, that needs to be done. So, that's kind of where the ACLC developed. Um, our congregation, where I used to serve, uh, the, my prior congregation at Peace and Hastings joined the ACLC back in 2013 or 14, namely because we had a couple of congregations in our circuit that were doing some really, really, really wacky things um, that uh, we felt, uh, according to Scripture and Lutheran confessions, were, were contrary to Scripture. Um, women serving communion, um, and a number of other things. Uh, if you ever have any questions about some of that or you're wrestling with that, sit down, come talk with me. We'll open Scripture and we'll look through that to understand why we have done certain things a certain way in the Missouri Synod uh, and what that looks like. And those, our district president and other people refused to really address that and just said every Missouri Synod congregation is free to kind of do whatever they want. Uh, and we said, well, that's not really the case according to scripture. Um, so anyway, long story short, um, I was asked to uh, present, to write a paper at this conference probably over a year ago. And uh, just so that you know what it is, after, I doubt any of you will be able to, to, to make the drive or catch a flight out to Lincoln or Omaha, um, but uh, the papers are normally online. And this is a really good um, organization in terms of resource material. So there's 10 errors that are on the website uh, that provide kind of background. So if you're wrestling with, um, what about, uh, why can't a woman be a pastor? That's a great question. I mean, you know, we live in a, a society today where education, uh, I mean, everything, we've got some great equality, uh, great progress, I would say, we've made over the last 50 years in that regards. Why hasn't the church come around to that? Okay, why is that? And that's a great question. Um, what are the reasons for that? So uh, the documents there will walk you through Scripture, our Lutheran confessions. There's other questions about creation and evolution, uh, which come up quite a bit. Uh, matter of fact, at our family vacation, I'd say probably half of the, probably five or six of the 11 grandchildren who have all been raised in fairly strict Christian homes now believe in evolution. Um, and so that really bothered uh, a couple of my sons. So they, they talk, right? Not just as cousins, but they Facebook and they Insta chat and Snapgram. And I know they're, <laughs> whatever it is. I don't, I don't get into all that. I, I, I post a few things on Facebook and that's about it. So they keep in touch with each other and they see things that get posted and they respond. And so, you know, um, and, and then you've got, you know, one, one nephew who says, you know, I believe Jesus was a real man, but I'm not sure he was the son of God. You know, just stuff like that. And my kids are like, what? I was like, yeah, there's, there's people that have those questions. And, you know, sometimes we go through crises of faith within our life. Um, and don't be surprised if you're ever there. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you're a sinner like everybody else. You got questions, you got doubts. Let's talk through those. Let's look at scripture, uh, you know, wrestle with that. Don't just, you know, put it under the bed, Okay. Um, so please never be afraid to come to us as pastors or other people if you've got questions you're wrestling with that just you're like, ugh, and, uh, and we will do our best to help you, okay? Um, so anyway, back to this. So when the ACLC was formed in 2010, this is one of the uh, errors identified, uh, and that's the church's mission and her evangelistic task. So in part, that document says, while always being concerned while give, with giving a Christian witness to unbelievers, the Lutheran Church understood its mission to make disciples as meaning that the church carries out that disciple-making by teaching the Word of God in all its truth and purity and by administering the sacraments in accord with Christ's institution, thus feeding God's sheep on the means of grace and preparing them to enter their various God-given vocations to give witness to their faith. The Synod historically and theologically avoided attempting to motivate Christians by means of guilt regarding unbelievers going to hell because it correctly understood that the number of the elect 
chosen by God in Christ before the foundations of the world, is a static, not a dynamic number, and that God has promised that he will not lose one of his elect. Lutherans have always understood that it is only through the means of grace, word, and sacraments that such conversions are brought about by God, and that these means of grace are completely sufficient to accomplish what God has promised they will accomplish. Okay? Any questions on that quote or kind of summary of what mission and the evangelistic task is all about? Or maybe you're like, whatever. Whoop, over the head. Nothing? Okay. So, uh, conference, that's where it's held at. Da, 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 da. Let me scroll down from there. Or actually, let me scroll over. So you can see the list of speakers. Some of these names you'll recognize because they've either preached here uh, or are connected in very various ways. Um, so you recognize uh, the first one, Rolf. That's the brother um, of, uh, of Mrs. Preuss uh, here, uh, pastor's wife. Uh, and Mr. Mark Preuss, that's nephew, election and mission. Uh, Robbie Rojas, anybody know that name? He's a new young pastor down in Orlando, Florida. He was best friends with uh, uh, my associate back in Hastings that we called out a seminary. Very bright guy. Uh, his dad is, let's see, Robbie's dad is Puerto Rican, I believe. And I think his mom, I don't want to mis misstate this, might be Cuban. I can't remember. They might both be Puerto Rican. But anyway, his dad back in the 70s or 80s uh, basically went through kind of a deacon program at the time that ended up uh, licensing him and ordaining him. And he actually started, ironically, a Hispanic church in Grand Island, Nebraska, just north of where I used to be. Uh, and so Robbie actually grew up in Nebraska, and then they, they, his dad took a call to plant a church down in Florida, and then been back there ever since. Uh, he's a dynamite young man. If you get on Steadfast Lutherans, or if you follow, he's done a lot of stuff with uh, Jonathan Fisk, Brian Wolfmuller. Um, he's kind of an up-and-comer in terms of just a solid, young theological stud, okay? Um, and we'll probably have him out here at some point uh, for some sort of mission or something. Um, I got a list of, of guys I like to rotate through to kind of bring in. It's nice to hear from other pastors. You know, you get to know your pastors, um, and, but it's nice to kind of hear some of the similar things or make use of some of the areas of expertise that, that other pastors have. So uh, just as Pastor Feeney did that with you in the past, that'll be my intent as well to bring in um, some different pastors. Reverend Andrew Richard of Theology of Lutheran Evangelism. Reverend Jeffrey Cuttis uh, just came back from the mission field. Uh, he was in Madagascar, Africa, uh, came back about a year, year and a half ago, actually took a call to a parish in Blue Hill, Nebraska, which was the same circuit from where I was, and I got to know him then. Prior to his service in Madagascar, he was in uh, Missouri. He was in, not Nobnoster, it's around Sedalia. Oh, I'll think of it in a second. Anyway, a really, really good church uh, in the school, uh, kind of in that uh, uh, central Missouri area. What's that? Not that you know? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, he's going to uh, give a, a firsthand report. We've had some challenges, um, not just going back to some of the Kishnik years, but, but during, uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of sad sometimes that every synodical president, you know, he either gets the blessings or the blame, right? Um, and so it's kind of hard sometimes, and that's just kind of the way we're wired politically sometimes. Um, and, and sometimes the blame is appropriate, and sometimes it's not. Uh, but our, our mission stuff, you know, when we revamped everything way back in, well, that would have been 2010, the whole missions environment changed completely with what we used to do, okay? So just as Synod used to fund all of our Concordias and our seminaries, and you well know that that's been gone for a long time, it used to be the same with our missionaries. So the, for the most part, our missionaries now are pretty much independent um, in the sense that they have to raise their own funding, okay? And Synod will kind of help them with the organization of that, okay? So because of that, we actually have a couple of missionaries in the next month or two that are new missionaries that have reached out and said, hey, we're going to be traveling through Indianapolis. Can we come talk to the congregation? I said, yeah, why not? Now, we support, as a congregation specifically, you know who we support? 
Pastor David Price, and now actually Reverend Dr. David Price, uh, but Pastor Price down the Dominican Republic. So as a congregation, we've said that's going to be our main missionary. But you might have other missionaries that you support on your own, and God bless you for doing that if you do. Um, so we'll, we'll always uh, share what's going on kind of in the mission field. If you walk down the hallway, one of the new things that we've done, I don't know if you've noticed it, is we've tried to show a little bit of the three-legged stool of how missions work here at Advent. So we have local missions, which kind of happens through our missions board, and the majority of that work right now is actually centered around Lutheran Child and Family Services. Okay, so that's kind of local mission field uh, in that sense. Okay, uh, next step from there uh, would be a little more nationally, which also affects globally, and that's how we support Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, specifically the work of Dr. Just, uh, who now is helping to get. Uh, the church in Spain going, and Pastor Feeney has been going back and forth helping him with that as well. And we'll probably get Dr. Just down here to give a report on what he's doing, uh, because we support that as well. And then obviously kind of our big overseas mission, so to speak, is Pastor Preuss down in the Dominican Republic. Okay? So we're going to slowly kind of, as we look at mission and what that means, we obviously have some opportunity and some things that we can do, more we can do, I would say to you, here where we're at in Zionsville. That's something we'll talk about, okay? Um, Scott Diekman, Transforming Churches Network. Some of these names don't mean anything to you, but this is just an overview of, of how missions has been pushed, perceived, and practiced in the last 10 to, 15, 10 to 20 years. Uh, and then they stuck me with Mission Planners Institute, which actually is a dead beast. It doesn't exist anymore. So I was coming through seminary identified as a mission planner, primarily because I had a business background and I had started businesses and they did well and they thought I was a nice enough guy and I could, you know, carry on uh, a little bit of a talk without too many run-on sentences. Uh, and so during my fourth year, I was interviewed by my wife's cousin, Reverend Dr. Terry Tiemann who actually is now in charge of Transforming Churches Network. At the time, he was the mission facilitator for the Mid-South District. The Mid-South District is all of Arkansas, um, half of uh, all of Kentucky and half of Tennessee, or it's either all of Tennessee and half of Kentucky. I always get that confused. Is that half of Kentucky? You got it, okay, thank you. So, um, so he interviewed me, he interviewed a bunch of uh, us fourth year guys and so when it came to call day, um, I thought I was going to a, a large church somewhere in Illinois that had a school. And, uh, and, and the, the, the call came out on call day, Friends in Christ Lutheran Church, Bryant, Arkansas. And, and I looked at my wife in the back and she's like. <laughs> and so my first call was to a failed mission plant. So we had a certain way that a lot of the districts were starting churches back through the 90s and the early 2000s. Um, and at, at some point, I'll share with you some of the, the paper and, and statistics and my perception of that. Uh, but the majority of those, start, of those uh, mission starts were wildly Pentecostal. So when I showed up to go visit before the pastor would preach, the congregation was invited to come up and lay hands on him. Please send the Holy Spirit so that he may speak the word of God. Well, I hope he's been trained so he can speak the word of God. But we'll ask for a special epiclesis, descent of the Holy Spirit upon this man. We're going to anoint him now so he can preach here in this place. Uh, and lots of other just really non-Lutheran goofy stuff. Um, and to be fair, most of the people didn't know any better. For some of them... That's all it was. For a lot of mission churches, it's kind of an open door. You want, to, you want to come? Come on in. We need people. And so you get what you get. If you don't have good catechesis in terms of asking some of the hard questions or just good training, you're not going to end up with a good product at the end, which is why if you've got kids that are going on to college or whatever, you're concerned. You want them to go to a good school. You want them to get a good education for the vocation, the field they get into. Same thing for churches. We should want members that are, are trained, um, and, and, and be able to adjust and deal with things that are going on in people's life with the Word of God, right? You apply the Word of God to all those situations. Um, and so, so I kind of ended up with a hot mess 
um, with a pastor that was very lax. Um, we, had a, we had Pentecostals, we had Baptists, we had a handful of Missouri Synod Lutherans, some Presbyterians, some Methodists, um, all communing together, um, all doing all sorts of weird things. And, uh, and so that, that was welcome, welcome to being a pastor. <laughs> right out of seminary, that, that's what I was into. So the first thing the district did was sent me to something called Mission Planners Institute to teach me how to uh, organize and plant basically a new church. So for a week, I went out to uh, Concordia University in Irvine, California, uh, which was beautiful. Sent my wife uh, with me as well. Um, and I had a week out there learning and studying how to start a church. Um, and then after that, then uh, per district requirements, I had to be connected to basically a learning group uh, that consisted of other pastors, so, but not Missouri Synod. So I had a coaching network that was with all these other pastors, which was nice to be able to see what other people were doing, but it was really awkward <laughs> because we had such different beliefs on certain things. Um, and, uh, but that was, that was very typical. And so, gosh, I don't know what else to tell you. I'll, I'll share the paper with you uh, after I present it on, on Wednesday. Um, but thanks be to God, the first thing, I, I will share this, that I tackled with the congregation, with the elders. Because so I was like, where do, what do, where do you go? No liturgy. I mean, they weren't using the liturgy. They weren't doing any creeds. No absolution within the service itself. Uh, it, it was mainly just lots of music, which at the time was Papa CDN and uh, whatever the contemporary Christian stuff was, the top 40 of the time, uh, that's the music. Uh, and then, of course, the old good standby hymns that, that, that every good Methodist and Baptist knows, How Great Thou Art and Amazing Grace and, you know, When Peace Like a River uh, and, and, and just the very, very common. Um, and I'm not speaking specifically against those hymns. I'm just saying if you want to know hymns we have in common in some ways, for better or for worse, those would be it. Uh, and, and, and that was, and it, it was just, it was poorly done. It was really bad. So actually, the first thing I addressed was closed communion. And I just simply, you know, sat down with the elders and we just, and I just, you know, we talked about fellowship because I recognized this was a church that had gone through some strife, hadn't started well. What does it mean to be a church family? What does it mean to be fellowship? And we just opened the Bibles and started studying. And the elders are like, oh, wow. I didn't know that was in the Bible, <laughs> right? And the nice thing with dealing with fundamentalists where I was is they believe the Bible is God's word. So in some respects, some of the best, you know, people that have been converted to Lutheranisms that I've met have actually been Baptists or fundamentalists because it says it right there in the Bible. So you, you, you take them to it and you go from there. You got you to you undo a little bit of brainwashing um, when it comes to some of the contextual things that have been done by the Reformed. Um, but, uh, you know, you walk through baptism. I had a, a, a young man um, that uh, had, a, had a wife, and uh, he was a speechwriter for, a, uh, at the time, Lieutenant Governor Wynne Rockefeller. Uh, name was Steve Bronner, um, and, uh, and they, they, were, they were Methodist, uh, and he told me that. We're, we're, we'll always be Methodists, but we're members here at the Lutheran Church. So we'll always be Methodist. So don't, I don't, we don't, you know, we are members, but we're Methodists. So, okay. I, all right. I, well, I mean, for some people, the concept of church membership is also kind of difficult. So that's something you kind of got to wade through a little bit. And I'm not sure we always handle that the right way either as Missouri St. Lutheran, because that's a different discussion. Um, and so, so he, you know, we're going out to coffee, and he's a highly educated man. First of all, he's a speechwriter. You know, he's worked for the Rockefeller family, which if you, if you win Rockefeller, uh, Rockefellers that settled in Arkansas. Uh, large, wealthy, well-to-do family, a uh, very conservative family. Um, and so we went out to coffee quite a bit and, and really, really enjoyed him. And so he just says, you know, this baptism thing, I don't get it. I said, well, let's, let's just let's study Scripture and go through that. We go through all of Scripture, and, and they had two little girls at the time, and they hadn't been baptized. His wife was not Methodist, even though he said we're Methodist. She was hardcore Southern Baptist, Right. So the girls were not going to be baptized until they decided to be baptized, right? Once they made that decision, because the, the wife's perception was, you know, we're not going to make a decision for the kids, right? 
which actually there's something in the scripture about parents making decisions for kids. There's a lot of that actually. Um, and, and doing that for them, that authority. Um, and uh, so we, we study baptism together. And I get a phone call one day. He goes, oh, we, we got to go meet for coffee. I said, okay. So we go meet for coffee. And he says, Pastor, he goes, I baptized my girls. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, this whole baptism thing, it was, really, it was really bugging me. And he goes, I, you know, I get it. And wife was, was gone. And <laughs> I was giving the girls a bath in the tub. And uh, I did it the same way you do it. You did it, Pastor. Does that count? Does it count? How would you answer that? Name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it counts. Um, Now, here's the sticky wicket. You can't tell my wife. I said, Steve, I can't do that. I can't can't make that promise. You're going to, you need to tell your wife. You know, that's, that's a big, well, she won't understand. I, I get that. I understand that, that, you know, there's some things there, but, you know, if that was that big of an issue, you shouldn't have done it in the first place then, right? Um, now, to be fair, can you be, can you be saved without being baptized? Of course you can, right? Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Faith, though, always grasps and receives God's gifts. For someone then to have faith and ignore God's word and say no baptism is very dangerous ground, okay? So that's why, you know, uh, I would say for the majority uh, of baptisms, faith already resides there, okay? Even in the infant that has heard that word uh, in the womb. Um, and so, um, you know, we'd, uh, let's not get into the discussion of which is greater, faith or baptism. That's the wrong way to look at it. Okay, uh, baptism is the Lord's gift. Baptism gives promises that um, are not necessarily attached to faith. So in baptism, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? Uh, or you just back up and go through the catechism. What does baptism do? Works forgiveness of sins, right? Uh, gives life and salvation. Protects from sin, death, and the devil, Right? So just, just go through all the lists that, that Luther has. Those are all promises that are attached to baptism. So really what it comes down to is why would you not want your kids to be baptized? Why would you not want to be baptized? Okay. Um, and so that becomes kind of a, you know, a fun question. Okay. So long story short, those are some of the things that, that I experienced going through just kind of being thrust into a very... I just didn't have any Lutherans around. You know, Luther's small catechism, what's that? Um, and so now having to kind of start from basics. And, and that's what a lot of mission planners sometimes will, will deal with, is people coming from other faith backgrounds. You've got to be prepared to teach. You've got to be prepared to be patient. Sometimes you've got to take things from a little different angle. But a lot of what I was taught at Mission Planners Institute wasn't how to do those things. What I was taught uh, through a lot of the mission planning stuff was simply... Uh, techniques, and to me, they were techniques that I had used in the business world. It was all public relations. So the church did a good job of teaching me how to do public relations, how to communicate, how to reach out to people, you know, how to, you know, have flyers, you know, buy one, get one free type thing, Um, you know, and I've always said this, you want to pack the church, you know, you want this church to be packed every Sunday, we can do that. You know, if we raffle off a Harley, I mean, take your pick, raffle off a new, uh, you know, Tesla Series 3 or whichever one is the least expensive one. I bet we get people coming through these doors in a heartbeat. Now, why would they be there? They'd be there for the Tesla. Okay, so remember that, that, that people can reject, uh, you know, God's word. Uh, the Holy Spirit is at work. This gets back to the same question that I asked all through my first couple years of seminary. As I, as I learned more about what it meant to be a Lutheran, and I was like, well, man, if baptism is so powerful, we just need to, to, to you know, fly C-17s or C-130s with tankers, spray down the whole metropolitan area, and have a bunch of preachers or anybody on loudspeakers saying, I baptize you all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, you got the Word of God and you got the water. So then everybody be baptized. But see, what, what's the problem with that? One baptism is designed to be familial in the sense that within the family, you also have authority there and oversight in terms of the parents, in terms of the pastors. Um, and you've also got, uh, uh, you know, uh, God's, uh, you know, command to teach, right? So baptism is never to be separated from teaching. So, you know, it, it's, it, it, it is miraculous, but it's sacramental. So that makes it kind of mysterious. And so the best way to do it is to, to follow now the mandate, uh, you know, of our Lord and how he went through and did that. Um, Okay, any questions or comments before we dive into a little bit of, of Marquardt here? So these are just things we're going to be talking about uh, in, in, in our presentations this week. Mission. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, thank you. That's a very good question. So Mission Planners Institute technically does not exist anymore. Um, if you go to, there's a website called Center for U.S. Missions, uh, which has whole new leadership now. Um, Center for U.S. Missions used to be the organizer of Mission Planners Institute. They also used to be a registered service organization of the LCMS. They are no longer an RSO because there was some false doctrine and practice that was identified. Um, and so they're no longer have, you know, connections to the LCMS, other than the fact that everybody who sits on the board is LCMS. Go figure that one out, okay? Same thing with Transforming Churches Network, which is based out of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And that's uh, my wife's uh, cousin, Reverend Dr. Terry Teeman, really nice guy. I don't know why it's not let me highlight it, but it's right there. Um, and that used to be an RSO uh, of the Missouri Synod. They are no longer an RSO. Um, that status has been pulled for similar reasons. Um, and uh, they're still operating within a lot of districts. Matter of fact, there's a presentation going on here at uh, some of our LCMS churches in Indianapolis here in the next week or two uh, that uh, Pastor Tiemann is coming up uh, to do. And I actually talked to him on the phone the other day. I mean, I have disagreements with some of that, but you have to understand this is collegial and also academic in various ways, right? So what you need to know is that there are some divisions in terms of how do we go about planting churches, okay? Um, I would hold to the fact that mission planting needs to be very personal and it needs to be driven towards word and sacrament, right? So the most important thing is that people are hearing the word of God, read, taught, and preached, and the goal is to get them to receive the Lord's body and blood, it's catechesis. Okay. Um, and that involves sometimes asking the hard questions. That involves not giving people communion until they're ready, which is a really tough thing for a lot of people to do. It's tough for pastors to do, you know? I mean, it, it's, it's a difficult, you know, thing. And people get easily offended. Um, and, uh, you know, so you've, you've got to have, you know, big enough shoulders and, and enough of, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Some people would call it pompous arrogance but I think it's just the wherewithal to stand for certain things in the same way that we might speak out against abortion or we might say that homosexuality is, is a sin. I mean, it is, okay? Um, and, uh, but yet that we remain loving and understanding, okay? Because there are a lot of members, uh, not just here at Advent, but every church that struggle with homosexual inclinations or other things or have had an abortion or have had sin in the past that has hounded them. And that's why Christ has come to do his salvific work. And that's why the absolution to hear Christ say, I forgive you, is so powerful and so important, right? And, and why it's important for you to your, your loved ones and especially your children that, uh, to say, I forgive you, uh, and to talk about those things. So, um, you know, it's so much easier just to sweep it all under the rug and say, it's, it's, let's just all get along. Well, uh, Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> Jesus was put to death because he brought up these things, right? Think of the Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah, right? She, she had no, the man she was with, didn't, well, they weren't married. <laughs> and the four or five before, <laughs> not her husband either. Uh, Jesus identifies that uh, and, uh, and yet offers now, uh, you know, eternal life through faith in him, change of behavior. So repentance means to turn away. Uh, in, in Hebrew, it's, it's sewer, 
You've heard me say that before. So what, what do you do when you smell the sewer or the sewer line breaks in your house? You don't go, oh, that smells so good. You know, you're like, oh, oh my goodness, right? Uh, or if you're in a condo all week with like 10 teenage boys, uh, you walk downstairs and, oh, really? You know, so I can't wait to get outside. So that's, sin should smell stinky to you, okay? But you need to know what sin is. And so God calls this sin, right? So a theologian of the cross calls a thing for what it is. A theologian, theologian of glory, totally different. So we, we will always have, we've always had those challenges in the church. We always will. Every church body will because no earthly institution is perfect. Um, but that also means that people have to step up and speak to some of those. Okay? And so that's a little bit of what the ACLC uh, has been about trying to do. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm not foisting that on you. It's just information being shared with you. Okay, any questions or comments? There's some of the churches that are member congregations. It's not very big. Um, after Harrison was elected, there were actually hundreds of churches that were signed up. And then after Harrison was elected, there were a lot of congregations that said, we, you know, we don't want to make a public statement. We're just going to back Harrison so that these changes will be made. And to be fair, Harrison's made some good changes. But there's some other things that he's been, I would say, very lax on, my personal opinion. I've talked, I've talked to him about that. So I'm not going to go into detail about that. But uh, um, so what do you got? Hit me with anything else. We've got about 15 minutes before we uh, jump into law, gospel, and some other things. Any questions? You recognize some of those names, presenters. Yes, sir, go ahead. Yep. So Methodists will baptize babies, but they will also dedicate them. So it, it kind of depends on where you're at. Um, and uh, whereas like you go to an E-free church, very seldom would a baby be baptized, mainly dedicated, but the pastor will do it privately if you ask. So I have family members that not only are Methodists now, but also have been E-free. Uh, and I've talked with some of those pastors. Um, uh, so what's your question? I'm sorry. I, I'll go. So remember where Methodism came from, right? So we're talking John and Charles Wesley, which we have a number of their hymns in our hymnal, by the way, some great hymns. Um, uh, so we're, we're talking England. Uh, we're talking Church of England, okay? So we're talking, you know, you got this Anglican, Episcopal type of mix, right? So, so the Roman Catholic Church, you know, uh, the Roman Western, Western Church, let's say it that way, came to England, and then there were issues with the Roman Church, okay? Do you remember some of the history on that? That's uh, Henry VIII, I am, I am, right? Uh, and uh, so then uh, break off, we're going to start our own church. Uh, and so, you know, that was kind of the next, you know, shoe that dropped after, if you would say, the Great Schism in terms of Eastern and Western church, which that would be, what, 1054, correct, history people? Um, so now you've got the Church of England, that'd be the next big break within the church. Reformation then followed soon after that, not too far after that at all. Um, so I got another uh, split. Um, and uh, so, so the Methodists, they became called, they became Methodists. So they were a break off, splinter off from, let's just say Church of England for the sake of understanding. Um, and that a Christian needed to be more deliberate in the practice of their faith. And so John and Charles and company and their, their prayer group, their small group, uh, started outlining how we will live our lives as Christians. And if we live our lives this way, uh, we will be more sanctified. And that's why they became known as the Methodists. There's a method then to your salvation. Okay? Now, the funny thing was they still retained, and I, and I love conservative Methodists because they still use the hymnal. And for the most part, most of the liturgy is actually still there. So, they, so they, there's still some semblance to the historic church, if you will, or to the pattern of sound words that Paul talks about, okay? Um, so the, 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 the pattern of worship and, and catechesis, and there's still a creedal church. But like where we've gone in the Missouri Synod, not all of them are that way anymore either, right? So my brother-in-law that I just saw, he's a tax and estate planning attorney in Kansas City. 
Uh, he's actually an elder, a deacon with, I think it's the largest Methodist church in the United States called CORE, Church of the Resurrection, out of Overland Park, Kansas. It's gigantic, uh, just huge. I mean, it's 20, 25,000 members. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Their kids, I don't think, I don't think they've ever worshipped with their kids in church because their kids go to a separate building. So the kids have their own you know, sanctuary with band and screens, and the adults go into the, the big one with the nicer seats, uh, and the head pastor always preaches that one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I always hear about it from my mother-in-law, who's a staunch LWML lady out of uh, Overland Park. She always tells me about their worship services. But, uh, you know, and um, so it, it kind of, it's hard to tell who is who anymore in some respects, denominationally speaking. It really is. You know, the, the concept of fellowship and confession of faith um, is, 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 a, is a real challenge to figure out sometimes what a church believes. But why dedicate? They would go to Samuel, so they would, they would talk about dedication at the temple. Um, so uh, my younger sister who married in Efree, uh, reformed guy, graduate from Trinity up here in Chicago, um, is a, is a administrative pastor, although he's never been ordained, administrative pastor at Hillcrest Christian Church in Overland Park, Kansas. My wife was a Missouri Synod Lutheran school teacher, music teacher, uh, met him, fell in love with him, and, um, the, the church is pretty much Baptist where they, where they go to. And, boy, that's a tough one to talk about. Because she loves her husband, so she's attempted to be a good and faithful Christian wife, right? And sometimes I talk to her, and it's like she's still Lutheran on some things. So they had their girls and their boy dedicated, but then somehow she talked him into also baptizing them. So they got their bases covered. <laughs> but I had a conversation with him once, and he's like, that's fine if the kids are baptized. It doesn't mean anything anyway. Because they don't fully understand what's going on. Okay? So maybe that's a similar thing to like the, my Methodist friend from Arkansas, Steve Bronner, who baptized his girls. And, you know, and I don't know if he ever told his wife about it. I took a call and moved away. That's not why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, as a pastor, you get in some sticky wickets sometimes with that. Um, yeah, so, so the dedication thing is really just a promise by the parents to raise the kid in the faith and make sure that they are baptized. You see, all these things, even if you're talking about waiting to baptism, baptize till they're older, who's the focus on? It's on the parents or it's on the child. Where that should never be the focus. The focus should be on, right? So it's, it's extra nos, meaning it's, it's outside of ourselves. It's external. So that word comes now and, and does that work, right? So it doesn't originate within us. So Methodists will, will look to their being a good Christian. You know, really original Methodist or hardcore Methodist, part of that method, no drinking, no dancing, this is kind of like what the old Nazarenes and Wesleyans used to be to do. Although you meet a Wesleyan or a Nazarene now, I guarantee you that none of them have their little handbook. Oh yeah, there's a handbook for things you can and can't do. You ask an older Nazarene or a Wesleyan about that. Uh, ask them about their, their church handbook that lists off what they can and can't do. Um, and they don't follow that anymore, which is really interesting. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I don't have all the answers, folks. Uh, it's just, I, I think to call a thing what it is, stick with and work towards understanding what our Lord has mandated and the promises that he gives through these things, all right? And so that's why we talk about baptism. We have the Lord's Supper, you know, every Lord's Day. Um, we practice that, but we also teach that and catechize that. Which, by the way, plug for Wednesday nights. So we'll be starting after Labor Day, is that right? Yeah, after Labor Day, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, uh, we will actually just pray Luther's small catechism at 7 o'clock. Um, so instead of having the kids, we hope the parents are teaching the kids the catechism at home. Um, that's your job as parents. But we're going to gather together and pray the catechism, which is actually what it was designed to be, how it was designed to be done. 
the catechism originally in German uh, was, it rhymes and it's sing-songy. Uh, and and if, you, if you've ever learned it in German, it's just absolutely marvelous. Um, and um, so anyway, we'll do it in English. Maybe we could do it in German. Uh, we'll do it in English. Uh, we'll pray the catechism. So it takes about 17 minutes to pray the catechism all the way through. Uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, so it's not just recitation, it's, it's praying and meditating on these words. Um, and so remember, repetition is the mother of learning. So our hope then is with our kids and with all of us that that word will be like an Enchiridion, a small dagger, uh, that should be for you already. And that's part of why we've always used the small catechism of Lutherans. We'll have a short homily, five minutes, and, uh, and sing the hymn of the day or the hymn for the week. And then we'll have classes from 7.30 to 8.30, uh, senior high youth group. Uh, is going to start getting together again, uh, which uh, we're still looking for people that might want to help out with senior high youth. So if you're interested in working with that, youth is a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, and then as of right now, if we've got some adults uh, that uh, are uh, interested in learning, the material is the same. What we teach seventh and eighth graders is pretty much the same material. And so uh, we're going to just have one big class, and we're going to ask the parents to, to come and join as well. So you want a refresher? Come and do that. Uh, or you just kind of want to go through the catechism again, um, you know, we'll do that. So Lutheran catechesis, it's good stuff. And then we have another adult Bible study that will be going that night. Um, I don't know what's going to happen the first two weeks yet. I'll have to put something together. But uh, our, our own uh, uh, president of the congregation, chairman, uh, Mr. Chuck Long, has taught a class on religious bodies in America, uh, which is actually a CPH study. And so he's going to start teaching that, I think, September... 14th, 21st, something like that. So that'll be on Wednesdays from 8.30, uh, 7.30 to 8.30. There you go. So if you want something to do Wednesday night, you want to come to church, come on. I know for some people it's way too far away, uh, and, uh, and that's fine, but uh, we'll start doing some of that. Huh, what else? <laughs> Mrs. Colson, did you just laugh at me? I, it's, I deserve it. It's okay. Okay. So, any other questions about missions? So there is some great work being done with our, our mission training now. At least we're do, covering, I would say, a little bit more of the spectrum with, with, with mission training. Um, and um, we, we've got some, some good guys there. We've already had some conversations here uh, in our area because you know what part of our area is growing, right? Whitestown. Uh, you know, up to Lebanon, okay? Um, so one, we need to make sure that we, we get proper signage and communication. You know, it's the, it's the Horton hears a who type of thing. We are here, we are here, we are here. So Missouri Synod people know there's a Missouri Synod church here, right? So we, we want to take care of our, our own household of faith as much as we can. Uh, secondly, for those that are, that are looking, saying, hey, I want to go to church or I've been reading scripture and people bounce around trying to find a church that's, you know, teaching what the Bible says. And so how do we reach out to, you know, some of those people in our community? Um, I don't know what that means down the road, whether that means, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see a Missouri Synod church in Lebanon. That's far enough away from us here. Um, I don't think right now the population is there to support it. Uh, the best way to start a church would be to kind of what you did here years ago, and that's to break off a certain number of people that live in the area or want to attend there. Um, I would say that's the best way to start a church because I've done it the other way three times. Okay? And, uh, and only one out of three was successful. So I've been involved in three mission plants. Uh, two that, I wouldn't call them failures. I would say uh, the, the timing was not right or the Lord had other plans. And you want to call it a failure, you can. I don't look at it that way. Um, you know, so you, you, you got to be willing sometimes to kind of like some of your best laid plans you've made in your life. You can think of a lot of things that didn't work out the way you planned or the way you worked. Okay. Not always a failure. It just means God's going to provide in a different way. Uh, and so that works sometimes too. So, and that's, you got to, you got to teach people that, uh, and, and be able to examine that. So, I mean, I think at some point, you know, I, I could see a preaching station in Whitestown and, and, uh, I don't know if Whitestown people will drive up to Lebanon for church. I don't know, I don't know about that yet. Um, I've got demographics for our four areas, for some of our future long-range planning that I've been going through. Um, and uh, Carmel's actually the fastest growing. Did you know that? With people? I don't know where they're going to put them all. Um, but if you live in Carmel, 
um, you got a lot of people headed your way, according to demographics. So, and you're getting a, a, a wall burgers. I shouldn't say that to the bubs folks. <laughs> that came across my phone the other day and I thought of you. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, little plug for bubs there. <laughs> uh, let's see, so yeah, uh, what else? Anything, we're, we're out of time anyway. Any other questions about, about that? So do you, want, do you want to hear my paper? Not now, obviously, but do you want me to share my paper with you on Mission Planners Institute at some point? You do? Okay, because I don't, I don't want to foist that on you, but it'll just be a little bit more of a, a experience and kind of what's going on. But if you are curious about that, all the papers should be on the ACLC website within a week or two of the conference. And that'd be good for you to read. Uh, sometimes they have the recordings up there. You can listen to them. I know you can order a DVD if you want to watch them, but... That's all I got, okay? Uh, Pastor Grady and his beautiful wife and girls will be headed to Colorado, correct? For Rocky Mountain High. And Grandma, excellent. So they'll be gone about 10 days. Uh, so we've got about a four day stretch that we'll actually both be out of pocket. So Tuesday through Friday, I'll be out of the office. Uh, Pastor Ullman will be on call. Uh, we'll both be reachable by cell phone, so don't hesitate to call if there's an emergency. Otherwise, call the office, and one uh, eat will get you in touch with uh, Pastor Ullman. And, oh, last thing. Next Sunday, raise your hand if you're going to be here next Sunday. We've got a special treat for you. Okay, so I won't do my paper next Sunday. Here's why. Pastor Feeney is going to be a technical term, is short-term missionary uh, to the Cayman Islands. Say, oh, shucks. So he'll be down there for about four, I think it's four or five months. So it starts, I think, in September and goes through January. So next Sunday, uh, <laughs> oh. hurricane season. <laughs> but here, here's the deal. He has offered this. He has said, if you want to come down and, and get some service hours in, he will arrange that. So you want to come down and visit, he'll put you to work and uh, find a place for you to stay and all that stuff. So... Um, so that's Cayman Islands, right? Yeah, he'll be on the main, main island, I believe. Uh, so, uh, but we're going to do a missionary sending, a blessing for him and for Solvay this coming Sunday. And then during Bible class last week, next week, I've asked him to step up and share with, with, with all of you what he's going to be doing. Okay, so what does that look like? Um, so it's, and it's not, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not going to be on the beach every day sinking <laughs> drinks with umbrellas in him. There is work to be done there and, and he will share that with you. Okay. So next Sunday we'll do that. And he's actually, I invited him to preach. So next Sunday will be his first time back in the pulpit here at Advent since he retired. So I've actually never heard him preach. <laughs> so I'm kind of excited, uh, to, uh, to hear, to sit and receive and, and to do that. And Pastor Allman's going to assist with the service next week as well. Okay? That it? Did I cover everything, gentlemen? Good, good. Safe travels. Enjoy your time. Okay? Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.